The sellers are coming. The sellers are coming. The Mets went shipping up to Boston and left limping back to New York. The Red Sox took two of three from the depleted Mets, and now it's time for the team to start selling. Who stays and who goes, Figgy? Well, one of the things we know is what's not going well is Max Scherzer's throwing batting practice in Boston. The Mets can't find a way to score the runs needed. The greatest moment of the week weekend was the in-the-park home run, Little League style. Other than that, dismal times at Fenway, and we're looking forward to the Subway Series where at least some bragging rights can be had. Yeah, and Ronnie Mauricio won't have any bragging rights because Danny Mendick has his roster spot. Luis Giorme gets hurt, and Billy Ann Epler still finds a way to mess up everything in sight for the underachieving Mets bragging rights, yes, but it'll be a big week ahead as the Mets could be trading pieces off. We'll preview the Subway Series, react to the weekend in Boston, my trip to Fenway, and look ahead to who stays and who goes. It all coming up next on a These Mets Suck Edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown, alongside my co-host, Nelson Figueroa. Watch us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Subscribe there. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy NY, and at Amazing But True. I do sound lifeless, and part of that's from the traffic in Connecticut. I can't forgot I lived there for 10 years. What a dump of a state. I mean, two lanes, all traffic for absolutely no reason. You're just transporting through there to get to another state. The traffic was frustrating on the way home, and the, the lack of traffic on the base paths was frustrating on the Mets side. See what you did there. And, and arguably, you know, the, it was clogged up. And they could not come home. That's it works. Could not get home. The Mets couldn't get home. They left them on the base pass. This team is toast. I mean, just like my holiday and breakfast on Sunday, except there's no butter on it. It's just burnt without butter, without jelly, without jam, without whatever preference you prefer on your continental breakfast. There's nothing continental. There's nothing breakfasty. There's nothing happy about these Mets who keep giving Danny Mendick chances. I didn't think I'd have to yell Mendick again. Even after going to Backdoor Donuts on Saturday night, I didn't think I'd have to yell Danny And Mendick. we're back. I did not think I'd have to do it. But this team continues to give us reasons to be mad and continues to let Ronnie Mauricio waste walk-off homers for Syracuse Mets and not the New York Mets. Because Figgy, they want him to learn more second, learn more outfield, learn other positions. A shortstop for a decade. Let me give you the breakdown, Figgy, quick of his breakdown of positions 42 at second, 25 short, 15 left, 5 DH. If you're worried about his defense, he should be playing anything but shortstop because the Mets don't need a shortstop. It's very frustrating that this team continues to play Mendick, continues to play Stewart, keeps Fam on the roster, yet he's not available all weekend. Just IL him. Guillaume goes to the IL. You thought Mauricio's up. Mendick comes up. Pookie gets absolutely rocked Sunday night. The Mets lose two out of three to the Red Sox. They waste a trip for a lot of Mets fans there. I went there Saturday. Thank God I didn't stay Sunday because that game on Sunday night was as lifeless as it gets. I mean, one run, 
no threat of a comeback. Let's pinch it Vogi late. Hope he homers again like he did Friday. Keep not playing the young guys. Keep playing these vets that are getting you nothing at the trade deadline. And over the weekend, the Mets confirmed they will be sellers next week, Figgy. Basically, our worst fears were confirmed because you hoped in the beginning of July, the six-game win streak showed life, showed spark, showed what this team could do, showed Alvarez taking his game to another level. He's starting to punch out a bunch now, and he's changed his stance, and that was something I was worried about. He's doing a little something extra with his leg kick. It's leading him to be late on high fastballs again. He's getting blown away. The three pitch at bat against Paxton just symbolized, you know, the state of the things uh, things with the Mets. He got blown away, didn't have a chance. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, you know, he's taking that ball deep over the monster and the Mets are celebrating, you know, about being able to put a five spot up on Paxton. When you're celebrating the Little League in the park home run as the best thing that you did all weekend long, that's a problem. That's a really big problem. The it's big- also a problem, and I didn't even mention, let's call him Mashing Mac. Let's not call him Mad Max. Let's call him Mashed Max because he continues to give up home runs and got absolutely shelled on Saturday in that Little League homer game. Well, we we, we know for next year, if Pete Alonso is going back to the home run derby, we know who should be pitching. It shouldn't be the gentleman who did pitch, who was absolutely atrocious at throwing batting practice. Max, for all intents and purposes, it's been absolutely hilarious this whole season to hear him talk from start to start. Accountability is there. Yep, he stands there in front of the cameras. But one week he found it, one week he has no idea where it went. And that's amazing for a guy who's headed to the Hall of Fame. I I didn't think it would be that quick of a decline without reason or without some kind of reasoning of what's going on with him. He said it was his foot, right? It was my foot, my positioning of my foot. It was something so simple, right? He goes, baseball's crazy. It's so simple. And I couldn't figure it out. I punch out seven, give up only, you know, one run or no runs. And and I got it all figured out. And then he goes to Boston. And every time he throws the slider, it's getting hit off the monster or further. Then he tries to blow a fastball by Cassis. But he throws a fastball in the middle of the plate, a little bit elevated to a guy who's 6'7", and just absolutely hits an unbelievable bomb. It, it What's was, his it, excuse for this one? Was it the clam chowder he had on Friday night? Was it the chowder? Was there, it the lobster? What the he, hell is his excuse? Again, he got in front of the mics, took accountability. I wasn't able to locate. I wasn't <sighs> able to execute. I wasn't able to do No shit. We know all these things. We know you're not able to do these things. But there's got to be something. Can you put two starts together in a row? Three if we're lucky. And we're not even asking you to go Mad Max, complete game, eight innings of, you know, 10 strikeout baseball. We're not. We're asking these two aces of all time to go five solid, hopefully scoreless innings. If you're going to throw 100 pitches in five innings, they better be scoreless. We're not seeing that, man. We're not seeing that. And it's it's utterly frustrating and to keep talking about the resumes and the back of the bubblegum cards and all that cliche stuff, it's not working. It hasn't worked. And this season is at a loss. I don't think there there, there isn't a, a streak that, that can save them now. Uh, the deadline's coming and they're probably best to be sellers. If that's what they want to do, they want to rebuild the farm system because Billy Epler has a tremendous record of rebuilding farm systems. Uh, you know, you heard about all those great Anaheim Angel players that he He's had through his tenure, right? Have you? Haven't heard. Got one. 
Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he got there after Mike Trout was already in the big leagues, and they brought in Shohei Otani. That's a difficult, you know, one to find a kid who throws a hundred and hits the ball hundred and fifteen. That was a tough one to find. It's almost like finding a guy who's a three-time uh, Cy Young award winner coming off a Cy Young year and turning thirty-nine and saying, "Oh my God, if he pitched to a one-six ERA last year, imagine this year. He's probably going to pitch to a one-two. It's impossible." Why did you let go of Aaron Loop a couple of years ago when he had under a one ERA? Because it's impossible to duplicate, right? And you look like geniuses for letting him go, no matter what his ERA is. Because if he has a three, it's three times as bad. Now you're sitting here, and for all the things that Billy Epler sat back on a high perch for a while and then came down and said, you know, the way that baseball works reminded me a lot of the Mickey Calloway rants that he used to tell to the media. The way baseball works is he's trying to tell us how baseball works. By telling us analytics, spin rates, pitch design, the ball's not behaving the way we want it to. That is the biggest smoke and mirrors I've ever seen. You're talking about the Wizard of Oz. Disregard the man behind the curtain because Billy Epler is that man. He sold everyone a $350 million payroll that there is no fight. There is no, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no cohesiveness. Other than the core guys that are signed up for a long, long time, everybody else is kind of on the outside like, this isn't my team. You know, I didn't sign up for all this drama. Guess what? You're in New York and you're a New York Met, so it's going to be even more drama. Anthony Rizzo gets a pass for 45 days of not hitting a home run. Hits a home run and everybody's laughing and celebrating it. Why? Because the Yankees, even with all their struggles, are still winning. They're still in the playoff hunt. They still only have one or two teams to compete with. Where the Mets have to jump over, what, six or seven now? Six or seven teams to try and make that last wild card? So while it's not impossible, it's improbable. And it's been the most frustrating year as a fan, as an analyst, as someone who's been involved with the organization, to see this new era of baseball. And we heard about it on the Yankee side because they brought in people from NASA to explain to baseball players how to hit a baseball. I feel the same thing has happened in the Mets organization because they had a 101 win season. Everybody's banking and hanging their hats on that. But at the minor league levels, players aren't baseball players anymore. They are exit velocity. They are OPS. They are just numbers. And what proves that to you is Ronnie Mauricio is tearing the cover off the ball. And all he wants and all he deserves is a chance to fail. Give him a chance to fail. And then you can say, you know what? He's not ready yet. Send them back down. It happens. They're humans. But at the same time, you call up everybody but Mauricio, and all you're doing is you're chopping this kid's knees off every single call up. And now he's trying to do more and more and more. And when he pulls something because he's trying to hit an eight-run home run to prove that he can do it, and he's trying to steal bases, and he's trying to be the next Ellie De La Cruz, who, again, was his teammate in the Dominican Republic when he won MVP of the Dominican Winter League. Not a series, the whole season. Ronnie Mauricio was the MVP. And you felt like this was the year that he could make a push. And all you're doing is keeping him down. The spark that you need has been there the whole time. And you've done nothing to light it. And Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos, they're human, like you said, and they're frustrated by this. You know, I've talked to someone over the weekend who said they're they're not very happy to be here. They don't really want to be New York Mets. And how can you blame them? One of them got called up, doesn't play all the time. The other one won't get called up at all ever, but will get called up Danny Mendick and DJ Stewart. 
and Guarme will continue to play. Now he's on the IL. You thought that would have opened up a spot for him, and it did not. They need a spark, but that spark's not going to come at this point to August 2nd, which still is so meaningless to me considering, Maurice, you're not going to be buyers. Like, even if you were buyers, I don't think Mauricio should be on the table. So why not just see what you have from the next week? Like, is he still on the table for a trade? You would think you would think for other teams. Yeah, it's attractive. Look at that. The Yankees on the other side have Esteban Floreal. Floreal's got, I think, 23, 24 home runs in the minor leagues. He's been tearing it up, batting almost 300. And he hasn't gotten a sniff. And they keep bringing up retreads and guys that you keep seeing and going, man, this team is so bad. You know, you got uh, Cabrera who's batting a buck 90. You got all these guys that are terrible defenders. Floreal, all you heard about this is guys a can't miss prospect this whole time. He's got 20 some odd home runs and he can't get any burn so it, th- th- but what would the Mets get for Mauricio that that gets them back from seven and a half games out besides no, nothing <laughs> nothing yeah you're saving not, them you're right not, now not one not. player I thought it'd be one or two players as the weeks have gone you have seen the heart isn't there the chemistry is not there the defense isn't there the lineup's not there the pitching's not there there's not one or two players that are getting to the Mets to the third wild card before you, before you had Lindor before you went and got Lindor you had Med Rosario who you know, was not just serviceable, but a guy that was very close to kind of figuring it out, right? Had the ability, all the tools that you like. You had Jimenez, who you loved his glove, and also a guy who had a nice stick, could play second, could play short. Those two could play together for a long, long time and under team control and cheap, right? And then you had Mauricio all the way down in, in A ball, minor, uh, A ball double A. And you're sitting there going, man, you got these three shortstops, right? They're possibly all gone. If you're going to trade Mauricio, now they're all gone. And you talk about the cupboard being bare already. What if Lindor has an injury? Now you call up Guillaume again, and then you sit there going, why do we have Guillaume? I mean, you don't have any backup options for any of these guys. So if you're not going to play them, if you're not going to – I've been on this end of it many, many times, Jake. You're playing for the other 29 teams. Every time you go out there, you're putting on a display, you're showing that you run hard, you're showing that you work a count, you're showing that you can, you know, play solid defense. You don't need to do anything overly done. Put in your work, keep your head down, and don't worry about these call-ups that you can't control. I know that because, you know, I was 35 and still plugging along trying to get that call-up. But for a kid who's watching his best friend tear up baseball single-handedly, and he's like, man, I could do that. I know I can do that but I'm not going to get a chance to. It's sad. It's really sad because you you would think that this is the, 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 the guy has been doing it all season long. It wasn't a week. Beatty did it for a week or two down in the minor leagues when you're like, oh my God, this guy's tearing the cover off. Let's get him up here. You went and traded Escobar so Beatty could play every day. So all these things you did, you moved mountains because you want Beatty up there, but you won't give Mauricio a week, nine days. Come on. Yeah, and apparently Epler has talked with Mauricio telling him, hey, you're a part of this future. I see you in New York, you know, winning a World Series and vision you winning here. Well, you can't win when you won't play them until the after the trade deadline, because by then they'll be 10 out. They got the Subway Series coming up, two for the Subway Series. They got four against the Nationals. Barring, and listen, I, I got to put out the scenarios. I'm not saying this is happening. Barring the Mets going on a six-game win streak here, which is obviously not going to happen with how bad they look. But, you know, that's baseball, Susan. You just never know. That's the only thing that gets them in the running is a six-game win streak. Monday, they are off uh, next week as well. And then Tuesday will be against the Royals. So Tuesday will be the first game post-trade deadline against a terrible Royals team. And really, 6-0. and 
five and one maybe that gets you within five. But at this point, if you don't go six and oh this week against the Yankees and Nats, you're sellers. And the, the thing is, like, who are you going to trade? Who are you going to sell? We'll go through that list in uh, the second segment. We'll we'll play a little keep or sell because we can't say buy or sell because they're not really buying anything at this point. But it's it's frustrating because so many man, so many fans were at Fenway. You know, I saw a lot of people I know. Kodai Sanga Day, you know, he starts off bad, but then gets it together. They win that game, but like they lose out on Sanga. He only gets three innings. That kills your bullpen the next two days. And of course, we see look, Drew Smith had two scoreless outings, although he gave him a hit that led to runs, but those were charged um, to someone else. But Trevor got, I mean, even a trade. We thought that Billy Epler was like, all right, they improved. Not that they won, but they got a little bit better. They got a major league reliever, kind of, for a minor league reliever. Even though they lose. I mean, Billy Epler is striking out more times than, <laughs> than Pete Alonso. Than Pete Alonso. <laughs> I mean, he's just swinging a miss. He struck him out. That should be the Billy Epler theme song on loop every trade he goes through. And you know, as you go through some of the trades, Vogelback for Holderman, pretty much lost, even though Holderman has not been great. Four seven five ERA in his two years there. Darren Ruff lost. Carson Seymour in the minors has pitched well. Nick Zwack has not no, been no, no, well. No, no, but no, JD don't, Davis. Don't, yeah, don't blow over. You're blowing over the Darren Ruff like it was... I started from the bottom. Now we're here. We yeah, started yeah. Nick Zwack bottom. Carson Seymour and then J, JD Davis. I mean, JD Davis has been a killer. A loss. Michael Given. For Saul Gonzalez, Saul Gonzalez, a prospect, a ball, two six seven, ERA. Michael Givens did really nothing at a five ERA for the Mets. Tyler Naquin, they gave up for prospects. Jose Acuna is an a ball pitching well. Hector Rodriguez is an a ball hitting well, and the Mets lost out on that trade. The Lindor trade you just talked about. Cookie's got a five eight two ERA this year. You know, I said he was coming that together. Was, that was that was icing on the cake. That was a, that was a, a that was an amazing throw in because you said, "Hey, if this guy is serviceable as a number four or five, you take it in a heartbeat." Oh wow, and we can have Cookie, no problem. And he was last year. This year has just been underwhelming. It's a never ending debate, Lindor for Rosario and Jimenez. Like I like Lindor. His average has got to be better, obviously, but he's driving in runs. I'm not going to really say they lost that trade, but financially it does change your entire roster when you got a you know 10-year, $340 million shortstop when Jimenez and Rosario were costing you pennies. You know, they were costing you a few million. Financially, you could have did things a little different. I'm not going to lose, you know, sleep over that, but that's the one trade that's if you but everyone, everything else, he's pretty much taking L's across the board, figure. The, uh, Brooks Raley has only, you know, the He's been good. He's been good. Um everybody else that he's gone out and gotten has just been atrocious jeff brigham like i said early on he looked like a, a guy that was oh my god this is a, a nice piece he's serviceable he can take trevor williams's place and then you pitched him 32 games in the first half when he had 32 games in his career and you saw he was just going downhill and downhill all these different names that we've seen they don't move you they don't move the needle right the Adovino Robertson Robertson has been great Adovino has been up and down Adovino is a liability with any kind of runner at first base in a close game you know up by one you got to really contemplate is it worth bringing him in in that situation there's just so many things that billy epler has done or hasn't done these things had to be addressed from the very beginning 
right? Like Peterson being in the bullpen, we thought that was going to be one of the things if everybody was healthy coming out of spring training. Uh, it was going to be him or McGill. McGill probably had to go down to get stretched out. McGill's down. He's not getting stretched out. He's getting laid out. The man's got over a nine ERA. He's getting pounded. He's not striking people out. He was the one pitcher that we thought when you got the two aces together, two Hall of Fame pitchers, right-handers, that McGill was going to soak it up like a sponge and take his game to another level because he had flashes of brilliance in the beginning, right? Pitched opening day for uh, Jacob DeGrom, and then he he filled in admirably, and then he was hurt himself. But he was the one guy that I said, man, if this kid has anything between the ears, he's not going to leave the side of Scherzer and or Verlander and, and learn everything, learn their grips, learn their what they like to do, learn how they like to pitch. But maybe he's done it a little bit too much like them this year. Right. It's the years previous that you want to be like these guys. Maybe not this year, but he's struggled mightily. Um, It's been very shocking, very eye opening up and down. We gave coaches extreme amounts of credit last year. Eric Chavez as the hitting coach, but he's not the hitting coach anymore. So, you know, just being the bench coach, does that stop because he's no longer telling players, hey, let's work, do this, let's try that? No, obviously not. At the same time, as the, you know, you're sitting there with the pitching coach and singing praises when you have Jacob DeGrom, it's easy to do when you have a Jacob DeGrom out there. When you have an Edwin Diaz closing in on the back end, everything else seems easy. And that's just two guys, right? Those two guys go away. And now you're like, man, is this guy showing these guys anything? Is he working with these guys? Are they getting better? They're not. Everybody's regressing. No one has gotten better. And it's got out of control with the first inning. Like, you know, Hartson brought that up a few weeks ago. Like, the, you know, should they fire Hefner? These first innings, we're talking about deafening things and just, you know, things that are just killing the morale outside of, yes, Mauricio calling him Mendick, calling these guys. Like, they are always down early. Like, Cookie starts off bad. He gets lucky. Mark Can has a three outfield assist night and what could be his final week as a New York Met. Do you know he hadn't had a straight assist in his career? Like a throw from the outfield to a base and gotten a guy out in his career until that. I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I, I saw it on ESPN. They're like, you're not going to believe this because he's such a, you know, he's a serviceable outfielder. He's a guy's competent. He's athletic. You know, all these but he things. doesn't have a Karnan, Karnan. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden he throws out, he throws him out at home on the one hop. And you're like, oh, wow, that's a great play. It's the first time in his career it, it's in over like 1500 attempts or uh, assists or put outs that he's never had an uh, just a, a one hop. It's always been like a relay throw. Cause again, he's fundamentally sound. So he throws it to the shortstop, shortstop throws a guy out, but he doesn't get credit for that. This season is so bad. This is the first time I said, Karen and <laughs> now I get like Karen, Karen, and it might be the last time I say it. Cause hey. he could be one of the guys on is, the move. Is, is, is McCann still with uh, Baltimore? I think he's hitting like, Oh, 69. Like, I think he's yeah, having but, a terrible, uh, yeah, he's hitting he, 195. So he's, he's in first, he's, he's at Pete Alonzo status there. Pete Alonzo around there. He's in first place. So he's laughing, yeah. laughing. Exactly. The like the aura is like, and that's what frustrates. You see all these teams and it didn't take money. It took a smart GM building from within, you know, calling guys up. Like we said, with Dilla Cruz, it takes, you know, a smart GM. It takes smart management top to bottom. The ownership change, it's made a difference in some aspects, but throwing a bunch of money things at things hasn't worked. And I'm not going to say this is still a Will Pony S, but this looks like a Will Pon era Mets dysfunction, calling up the wrong guys, trading for the wrong guys, signing the wrong guys, no team morale, you know, small things like Lindor not getting the McNeil the car while it's, 
everyone's like, that's eh, ridiculous. If he buys him a car today and like they make a whole video, maybe that's something that brings the guys together. But I, I, there's something missing with this team. I don't think this bunch likes each other like they did last year. There's something going on there behind the scenes that I don't know. I'm not going to speculate something, but there's something going on, Figgy, with this team. And someone doesn't like someone. And there's something going wrong behind the Mets scenes because this just doesn't seem right how they cannot put it all together when it's a similar team like last year. But I think that starts from up top, and I think it, it's just a trickle down from, from Epler's inability to make the right decisions, from too much analytics. You talked about the analytics people they brought in. I think there's been too much from Barnes, who's never played, being the hitting coach. I just think that analytical approach, you're seeing it with the Yankees, like you said, you're seeing it with now with the Mets. Buck isn't all the way there. Maybe it's his old age. I don't know. He's been making all the wrong calls. I don't, you know, some people will speculate that comes from up top. It's top to bottom. There's something, something is up, Figgy, and I don't know what it is, but we got to get to the bottom of it. To me, it's simple. I've been a part of teams. I've been a part of teams that have struggled more so than teams that have won in my major league career. And so when you're struggling, it's difficult to have a good time. It's difficult to sit back and say, man, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm doing my part to help this team win. When the team's not winning, everyone in that locker room can look around and say the same thing. Like Lindor, like we said, yeah, the power numbers are there, the RBIs are there, but he's batting, you know, 230. Alonzo is flirting with, you know, 207, 208. I mean, who can really sit there and be like, I'm carrying my weight. I'm doing what I need to do. Kode Senga, he's really the only guy. And the only reason he does that is because you give him an extra day. Senga and Robertson are Robertson. probably the two. Rarely, I guess, There's two, that's three. Six players. So you're yeah. telling me five. If you give me five that are like, you know what? I'm having a pretty good year. And Tommy Pham was playing like a man who said, you know what? I want out of here. If I play well and I hit the ball hard and I do all the little things, I'm going to get out of here one way or another, right? Because I'm be, if we're not good, I'll get traded. If I, we are good, I'm playing my way into an everyday role. And he did that. And he did that amongst all everybody else struggling and, and finding themselves and needing a mental week and all this other stuff. Tommy Pham turned his game up and we kept saying, he's got to figure it out. He's got to find a way. He did that. Now he got hurt and he tried to play and he got hurt again. And now he doesn't want to go on the IL because same thing. Get me out of here. Yeah, and it's not thinking. the it's out of here, Gary Cohn. It's the get me the hell out of New York here. Uh, and the problem is a lot of guys want that. Vientos, Marisa, they want to be out of here. Is the the mismanagement has lost all team morale. No one's happy to be here when you're calling up Danny Mendick and his 0 for 9. Stop with the four A players. Stop it. I'm sorry, Figgy. I know you're one of them, but stop it know. with these fringe guys. What? What is this fringe? You're not on the fringe of a playoffs. So do something different. Give me the youth exuberance, and it may provide a spark. And if it doesn't, you're still a crappy team like you are now. I guarantee you putting Mauricio in the lineup every day, putting Vientos and Beatty in the lineup every day, finding a spot for all of them will not make you worse. Because right now, 
you're as rock bottom as a $400 million payroll gets. It's unacceptable to fans to even show up to City Field. I don't care if you're given a undersized soccer jersey on Thursday that my clown ass that was going to show up and get, How, even though my titties will be tight as hell in that soccer jersey and whatever jersey, because they don't give you an extra large. They give you a large, which is called fat shaming. The Mets are fat shaming, but they're not because Vogelback's out there every day. So they're clearly not fat shaming on the roster. They're fat shaming the fans by giving out jersey. Stop pinch hitting Vogelback for Vientos. It doesn't make a difference. I don't care if he homered on Friday. Play the kids, see what they got, because your playoff hopes are over like the Drake hit song, and it's a current reference because tickets are $600 to go see Drake. Take it away, Figgy. Yeah, I think in this day and age, what we used to see of controlling a guy's clock and their contract status and not wanting to call him up until a certain date or not wanting to bring him up because you didn't want to worry about paying them. We're not worried about paying people anymore. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about guys getting major league experience, major league at-bats. Because all you're going to do is sit back, and this is what happened in a lot of my career. Well, he's good at doing it at the minor leagues. Well, if you're leaving me in the minor leagues, there's nowhere else I'm doing it. You can't call me a big league pitcher if you don't put me in the big leagues. You can't call Mauricio a big league player if you don't put him in the big leagues. You can't call Vientos a big league player if you don't put him in the big leagues. You have control over that. If August 2nd comes, the Mets sell whatever they can sell. Whatever they're peddling, whatever they're able to, to give away, pare down the way they want to say it, and just create some roster spots for guys to have an opportunity so that you can really evaluate because jobs are on the line. Jobs are on the line. So if you're, if you are Billy Epler, if you are Buck Showalter, a lot of blame doesn't go to Buck because you look at what the roster's constructed. Like you look at the guys not performing. You look at the guys that, uh, you know, had career years that uh, really fell backwards. You look at all that and you can say, well, maybe it's not all Buck and Buck has one more year left on his contract. So regardless Buck may be here next year. Not necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, if you're Billy Epler and you know there's a president of baseball operations who's going to be coming in and he is now over your head about everything that you've already done and I can hold up a piece of paper and show you what you've done and laugh in your face and say, what the hell were you thinking? You don't think his days are numbered? And what's he going to hang his hat on? At least I tried to let the veterans snap out of it. No. You know what you do? Sell off all the veterans that you can. You bring up all the kids to show what you have as prospects because you might not be back. But at least you can say, I left them with some prospects that can take them over the next three, four years. The Pete Alonso thing that we haven't even hit on, if you're looking to make a trade and a huge trade, Pete Alonso becomes available depending on what you can get back. I know. Sounds crazy, right? Juan Soto got made available. The Mets are in a win now mode. Pete's value is so low, though. I don't, I don't the Mets are in a win-now mode. December and January it was, right? It was it was back then. But right now, Pete Alonso should be even made available because you want to see what you can get back. If you have the money to sign him back, sign him back in two years. You want to pay for him, pay for him then. You haven't locked him up yet. So if his value is so low, then lock him up. Get him right now on the cheap. Tell him, hey, Austin Riley, who took $20 million a year, 22 24 wherever that range is, do you see what he's doing? You see what he's done over the last two, three years? You see World Series ring on his hand? Then if you're going to lock him up, you get him right now while he's at his lowest value. Well, that's an organization that wins, so those players are probably fine staying there. This team is a bunch of losers. Can't get out of a wild card round. Who is seven games under 500, going to the Subway Series Tuesday, July 26th. They're 46-53, and 7.5 back. 
The Giants and D-backs now tie for the third spot. Then it's the Phillies, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Padres. And after that cavalcade of teams, finally, the Mets. I don't know if that's the right word usage in that situation. But after the abundance of teams ahead of them, I'm just trying to use so words. You with a bigger word? Nice job. Big words, no intelligence over here. After sitting in Connecticut traffic. Great time. Fenway, I got to say, is a beautiful place to watch a game. Obviously, I've been there before, but... You just appreciate it more when you're, you know, you look around the stadium, you just see a full park, beautiful weather. Just, you know, they play a song and get back to baseball. That's what it is there. What did I eat? Now, I was blessed to be in a suite, so I was eating sweet food. And, uh, of course, they had chicken parm. I must have knew I was coming. It was chicken parm in a burger, though. It was like a bun with chicken parm in it, which was new, but it was actually pretty good. Chicken fingers were okay. The food is, it's not even in the same stratosphere at City Field. It's almost like the minor leagues compared to City Field. Uh, the hot dogs are good. The Fenway Franks had some waffle fries. Um, they had a little mozzarella sticks, some uh, mac and cheese. So basically generic kind of foods. They, you're not going to get a cinnamon sugar pretzel with icing. Uh, so I didn't bring that home. I, I swear you better not bring out another one of those. But I had the backdoor donut. You know, yes, I, you I went through the back door and, and ate the donut Um, outside of Fenway Park next to uh, Loretta. So shout out to JC from the donut. She gave me the last six remaining in a box. She said, give me five bucks. Felt like a drug deal for donuts. My first <laughs> donut drug deal at the age of 32. Uh, five bucks, six donuts. Literally the greatest deal of all time. And we had like I had two of them. So I, my friend had one, and then I gave the rest out. And I I felt like I was like God, like I was handing out donuts. People like lives were changed because everything closed at two o'clock. So it was like two o five. Mister two o five at two o five was handing donuts that'll you know add two hundred five pounds to you. So it was uh it felt glorious. But anyways, let's go now. It's amazing but true. Jake Brown Nelson Figaro at Figgy and Y at Amazing But True at Jake Brown Radio. New episodes every Monday and Thursday in the final two months of this disgraceful season. Subway series Tuesday and Wednesday at Yankee Stadium. Quick two game set. Yankees playing a little bit better now. The the Royals will get you that way. You know, we'll see if Aaron Judge gets back. Aaron Judge is good enough to walk down walk Drake down the stairs, escort Drake to the to the stage. I don't know if you saw that figure on Sunday night at the Garden. It was Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan walking Drake to the stage. So everyone was like, if he's good enough to walk down the stairs at MSG, he's good enough to lead off for the Yankees on Tuesday. Yeah, it's so, the same. Yeah, maybe that's his entrance back to the field. That Drake was like, he's back. Uh, which would be very Metsian for him to hit three homers off Justin Verlander. On Tuesday versus Herman will be Quintana versus Rodon Wednesday, and then Thursday through Sunday against the Nationals at City Field. Again, the soccer jersey Thursday. Hopefully you weigh less than me and it'll fit you. If not, it's going to be – I didn't want to wear it on here. You got to wear, wear it like the kids are One sleeve over, just around your neck. Like if it was a crop top, it'd look like I got a Victoria's Secret, I think. And that's <laughs> – you know, if I eat enough, it'll look like a crop top on me instead of an actual oh jersey. So that is this week coming up. And then again, next week, the trade deadline. So, you know, we'll be up on it. You know, we probably will do a show. We might have to wait till Monday morning to be safe, but Tuesday's deadline. We'll, we'll see what happens with these trades. Should I come for a tryout just for, for fun? Like backup water boy or the chicken farm guy. (laughs) So now on amazing, but true, let's play a little keep or sell figgy. Who will the Mets keep at the deadline? Who will they sell? Let's start. With Tommy Pham, I'm gonna say sell because one he's hurt. So you know if he play, why not get rid of him? Because he's a little hurt. Two, I, I think the way he is hit, he could help a contender 
who needs an outfielder DH, a fourth outfielder. You know, if they have a lefty, they need a right-hand hitting outfielder. I think Tommy Pham could get you maybe a mid-level prospect if it's done right. So I think that'll open up spots for maybe Mauricio to play some outfield. It'll, you know, maybe move McNeil to the outfield, have Mauricio and Beatty in the infield. So I think for the sake of the Mets minor leaguers and for guys playing, I think you should sell Tommy Pham. If you can, damaged goods, bro. I don't I, – I, I think what you're talking about, a mid-level prospect, maybe middle of the A-ball team somewhere, That's not, he's not going to be any kind of a prospect for what you're going to get for fam, who, again, is maybe not IL hurt, but you know he's hurting because, like you said, it's very easy to look up and say, well, why didn't he pinch hit? Why didn't he play at all? Why couldn't he do anything? And now he's going to have some miraculous turnaround – I don't know. I think you get a, a low A ball player um, that you'll never see in a big league uniform, but you would get rid of him and you're already paying him like Steve Cohen said. So he's going to try to sell him. If they sell him, good luck to him because I, I like I love the way he plays. I love the way he's um, one of the most intense ball players. Um, no nonsense. No like, hey, let me shake your hand. You're pretty cool. Mr. Shortstop on the other team while we're playing a game. No, that's not Tommy Pham's game. And people stop with the outrage over Lindor's glove. Like everyone's like, can he, why is he styling like that? What's well, all about fashion with him? There's a million things to be outraged with the New York Mets. What Francisco Lindor wears is not. And you look like a phony and a bozo when you start talking about, oh, what is this, a fashion show? Like, what is this, showing off the glove? Let him wear what he wants. On national TV, I get it. You're swagging out for the camera. That's a common thing. Let's worry about the product on the field and not what a guy's wearing or or what glove he has on. Because there was a lot of outrage on Twitter over like, oh, what is this a show for him and instead of a baseball game? Thirty four million down the drain. That's the least of the Mets' worries is what the guy's wearing. So let's let's shut up with that. David Robertson is an interesting one. See, I think they could get something for him, but the more I've thought about it, the more I I have you know, headaches thinking about watching this team and who will close with him gone and Drew Smith being your setup man for Adam Adovino. And when they go two days in a row, like Josh Walker being your closer, the more I think about how bad it could get the two months, the more I want to keep David Robertson. So for that sake, I would keep him, but obviously you're going to field calls for him and probably trade him. But just for my mental health and headaches, I'm, I keep him thinking. Yeah, as you know, these Mets don't care about your mental health or headaches, Jake. Clearly not. So I, I think Robertson, he's your best guy that's going to be able to leave and get you something of value back because there's going to be several teams that want a back-end, back-end uh, reliever who can close, who can do all the things that Robertson does and his level of experience and everything else. Who knows? He might go right back to the Phillies. Uh, and try to help the Phillies sneak back into the wild card like they did last year. I could see that uh, happening very much because he did a great job for them last year. You know, you think you get something for them. Again, with all these trades, will Billy and Epler mess it up like he always does? They'll field calls, but again, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see him a few months. You also got to remember with this team, like, yes, your sellers and, and basically the season over, you still have to field a somewhat competitive product for two months. You can't just lose – 40 of the final 60 games and be a hundred loss team and think that's acceptable. Like you still have to try to win in some way, like not saying they will, but you can't sell out the whole thing, put out all minor leaguers and Danny Mendick playing and be like, all right, this is what we're going to you know give to the fans. Cause 
there'll be no one in the seats. I mean, there already will be no one in the seats, but if you're trading everyone, no one's going to show up and it'll be a, a absolute disaster two months. So you, you still figure you have to put out somewhat of a winning product. Yeah. I mean, let, let's get, let's get realistic, right? So you're trying to trade off anybody who's on a one-year deal. The big two names, of course, are Scherzer and Verlander. Are you going to eat that one and say, you know what? We still have them on the contract for another year. Let's try it again next year. Or are you going to say it didn't work? Let's send them off to contenders. But what value does Scherzer have? He's given up so many homers and he's old and banged up. Like, does anyone want him? Like, you're not just going to sell him off and what, pay 30 of the 43 million he's owed? Oh, no, you would pay 40 of the 43 million. That's a disaster. If you were going to get anything of a prospect back, um, remember, he's, but, and on the other side of it, like you said, you think Verlander, I mean, you think Scherzer's not going to take his $43 million player option? Of course he is. Of course. Of course he's taking that option. He's back next year. So I, I don't think you're going to be able to sell that one off at any cost at this point. He really hurt himself um, with the home run derby that he pitched on uh, Saturday. Then you fast forward Verlander. And Verlander has had some better moments. He's pitched decently in, in uh, for a stretch. So I think you can still get something for Verlander. It's but it's just, the same thing. Who's paying him at 41 next year? Listen, it's under contract. The Mets are going to pay most of it. I'm telling <sighs> you, they, they would just to get a – if you get a decent <sighs> prospect back. And Verlander is a guy, again, I, I I think you still think he's started out slow. He had an extended spring training. So it's not the wear and tear of the season that's got this guy bogged down. You know what I'm saying? So I can see him – um, you know, of Scherzer every week it's been, you know, he slept wrong. It's nothing major. Uh, he's He's got this going on. It's nothing to worry about, but we're going to skip him a couple of days. That's what you're seeing with Scherzer, not with Verlander. Um, so I think Verlander could command you something to get back. And Adovino is an interesting one, because if you trade Robertson, you probably have to keep Adovino, because like we said, is Drew Smith going to be the closer? Because that's just not fair to the fan base to put us <laughs> through that kind of depression. So one of these two you got to keep. In terms of being the better team, you trade Adovino, but can he get you even a, a low-level prospect at this point? Not that he's had a terrible year, no. but does contender trust Adam Adovino right now? That's exactly it. What you're looking at is his body of work. You're looking at not you know what has he done in the last three years. You're looking at what he's done recently. I mean, every time somebody gets on, it's a stolen base or two. You can't risk that in the eighth and ninth inning in playoff caliber baseball. That that's something that, and I don't know what it is that he can't find that internal clock to speed up a little bit and, and be able to do it, but he's not able to do it. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, but, is he already three five seven? So he could probably get you something. He's not he like we've made it like he's had a terrible year because in some big spots he's hurt them, but overall he has not had a horrible year. He's not he as good as Robert. I get that, but who's gonna who's gonna bring him in there and be like, oh, all right, let's go to Adovino. I know there's a guy on first. He'll be fine. No, he won't. No, he won't. Now you put the pressure on your defense, put the pressure on the catcher to try and throw this guy out. Now this catcher doesn't block a ball, doesn't or throws the ball into the outfield. Well, to be fair, everyone's stealing anyway, no matter who the pitcher. Oh, That's just 2023 20, in baseball. Right. The, 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 listen, the, the stolen I looked it up the other day, the stolen base numbers. I think they're up almost 700 and some odd more stolen bases than there was last year. Um, and you're talking about the whole year. Like it's ridiculous how much running is is being going on, and I think they have to fix that rule as well. The pickoff, how many throws over, um, because that's a ridiculous thing. Because it's it's an automatic. You might as well just go. Oh my God, you threw over twice. Go ahead, just go to second base. 
I'm not even going to waste a pitch. It's just stupid to even try because this guy's getting a running start and everything else. Vogel back, like, at this, you're no, not going to get you're getting nothing. him. Please, like, stop playing Vogel back. You go, I you go hate up, it. Go up and down, go up and down this lineup. You're not getting rid of, uh, of many of these players to contenders. You're not, I mean, Anna. Canna's, Someone would want Canna. He's a veteran, good clubhouse guy. I'd be surprised if they don't get at least a low-level prospect for Mark Canna. I mean, yeah, you have to sell him off to the right to the right team. That 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 is true. I think you know he he does some things well, but he's still not the same Mark Canna we saw last year. He was clutch last year. He was a guy that RBI machine. He you know he 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 put really good at bats together. So I the don't frustrating know. thing about all this, Figgy, is these guys are getting they're not to help you till like 2027 like the oh, NYC yeah. stadium is going to be up and yeah. you might see these guys that you traded from 2023 it's not like next year like no, that's no. the thing I, I, would, I would love if they could get guys who could be a part of the team at least next year and be a reliever and the, a good bullpen guy a, you know a good depth guy but it's hard to believe that they're going to get anyone that's going to even be make the team next year which is like the scary part of this deadline yeah, I, I think if you went with package deal, say somebody like the Cincinnati Reds, you know the Reds can hit, you know they can field, you know they can run. They can't pitch their way out of a paper bag. They're, they're bad. They're a bad pitching team, uh, up and down. Bullpen starters, they're bad. You know, even during that streak that they won the 12 games in a row, they were scoring 6.1 runs a game, but they were giving up 4.78 runs a game as a staff. And that's not good during a winning streak. During a winning streak, it's usually like, oh, my God, we held the other team to one run or less. No, it's still giving them almost five runs a game. So if you could pair off, say, a Verlander and a Robertson, you would get back decent prospects, somebody that's close to major league ready. Yeah, and I just, that would be huge. That would be huge. Yeah, I just don't see it because Verlander's also got the vesting option on the third year. So it's not just a next year thing. It's another $35 million the year after. So. It's going to be interesting. Another guy, Narvaez, maybe now that Alvarez is the guy, not that Narvaez is going to really get anything. They might just keep Narvaez. He's got that two-year deal, and maybe he's just the backup next year. He's actually not a bad backup to have, so I'm fine if they kept him, and he's already on the book. So, anyways, we'll see in a week. You know, we'll talk more about this next week when the deadline comes. Well, I'll have a show Thursday after the Subway Series. You know, enjoy these two games in the Bronx. We'll see you at Yankee Stadium, and we'll close this episode of Amazing But True next. Odd. Very odd. All right, Figgy. Well, that was depressing. So can I tell episode 164 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast on the New York Post. Yeah, next time I think I'm doing the whole episode horizontal, like I'm at a therapy session. But thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern, Nick Guzman. And thank you, Jake, for producing the show. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch all the episodes. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up below on YouTube and comment who should the Mets keep who should they sell at amazing but true at Biggie and Wyatt at Jake Brown Radio good time in Boston depressing weekend sucked for the fans who went to all three because you know only one of those games was competitive the game I was at they came back they made it interesting but once again lost yeah, Trevor Gott lost. Trevor Gott's got. runs Scott Gott's runs hurt them I mean listen Kenley Jansen would have been in the game if, if they didn't give those runs closer but Jansen came in and closed the door. You know, one positive sign was Brett Beatty's at bat against Jansen. Had that scorching line drive down the line. So there were like a few pauses, but from this season, there's nothing positive. This is an utter failure. Well, they'll try and turn something around against the Yankees this week. Hopefully they could get some uh, bragging rights, sweep the Yankees. 
And then the Nationals, you know, like I said, go 6-0, and and then it'll be an interesting trade deadline day. But other than that, there's not much interesting about this. You know, you thought this week would matter much, but it's not looking like it's going to matter. We'll be back Thursday after the Subway Series. I'll see you at Yankee Stadium Tuesday night. And until then, Figgy, we'll be back on next Monday on the 31st. We'll see about next Monday because we might have to hold it off till 4 p.m. Tuesday to do the show after the deadline because we expect names to be on. Name names. Well, we're playing the Yankees, so I guess we got to keep the morale high to get some bragging rights. Sounds good. Two. Let's go, Mets. Wow, you sounded so depressed. Give me back. Do it for me, Buck!